Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. The relentless mocking has got to stop in this studio, okay? Look at me. I'm giving thanks to all these healthcare workers. That's about it. Look at the size of this thing! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield, John Von Tobel, Jared in for Ari today. He's in our Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, we're about 15 minutes away from a deep dive on the NFL draft. And the Raiders with our Raiders insider Q Myers will be up in hour number one. Von Tobel, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fully inoculated. We were talking about this yesterday. I'm very fired up, feel very happy, but still not finding many reasons to leave my house. So, What about the fact that we're opening up on June 1st? We're going to have two super events. I won't say super spreader because that's not a term anymore. Eternal lockdowners, stand down. Uh, what about going out to the opening of a brand new casino on June 24th? With uh, Resorts World slash Conrad slash all the other signage up there. What about a trip down to the Strip? Are you up for that in about a month? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm a family man, Steve. So things like that, debauchery, you know, madness, they don't really tickle my fancy anymore. You know, tomorrow uh, I am going out on a day trip to Utah with the family, going to Zion Canyon or Zion National Park. Those are the kind of, yeah, yeah, those are the kind of things. That really, you know, pique my interest these days. All right. Little guy getting to go to the canyon. Uh, who said anything about him? He's staying at home. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course. Right. Oh, okay. I thought it was a mommy-daddy trip. <laughs> All right. Trending at two. All right. Yesterday, big news. Not a shocker, but uh, Gonzaga lands the number one player in the country in Chet Holmgren. I know you're not the – I always love doing this to you now – uh, I know you're not the biggest college basketball guy, John, because you're great on the NBA. Uh, but watching high school players and, say, youngins in college, do you keep an eye on them with the uh, NBA view? Like, have you watched any video of one Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the country, seven one, about 190, who's going to Gonzaga? You mean 1.9 pounds of the kids? The kids a bean pole. Uh, no, I've watched a lot of them. And look, he projects to be, at least when you watch him play, the, the top overall pick in the NBA draft when he is eligible to, uh, to do so in a year. He's got handle. He can finish. He can run the floor. He can space the floor and shoot. He can block shots. Like he's got a lot going for him. And if he's, you know, going to develop his body and if he's going to add weight, right? Muscular weight, not the bad kind of weight, and start to fill out a little bit more you could totally see him being a very high-level player in the NBA. So, yeah, I've, I've seen quite a bit of footage of him. It's always interesting to watch you know, high school kids like him, how slender they are, and, and see where they could potentially develop. But I think he projects, if he continues on this course, to be a very good NBA player for sure. Do we have to go white to white on the comparison? Yeah, I was thinking Wally Zerbiak, right? Is that we go? <laughs> sure, 7-1. One ninety six seven two forty five. Same thing. No, you're right. Sorry, JJ Redick. I think that's more of an apt comparison. Well, I mean, technically, Holmgren does play small forward. Right. He's a seven foot one small forward. I was thinking, uh, and I'm gonna have to go white to white on this one. I'm gonna have to go whatever Holmgren is to uh, Italiano. I was thinking uh, Rich Man's 
Andrea Bargnani. Hopefully, he's a rich man's Bargnani. I was going to say, yeah, hopefully he's the rich man's version of Bargnani. <laughs> yeah, I hope he is because Bargnani didn't exactly pan out. But you're talking about a top five pick who fancied himself a uh, face-the-basket guy at seven feet tall. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I haven't seen much of his mid-range game. His jump shot, his jump shot seems consistent enough, and his ability to block shots. Dare I say, and maybe I'm being unfair just because of the body type. I like. How about poor man's Kevin Durant? Like Kevin Durant's a lethal I, mid-range scorer, but he, yep. I think, has the skill set to potentially be something like that. Don't you dare call Kevin Durant though a seven footer. For some reason, he's the only guy in the world who wants to be shorter than he really is. Remember, he wants to be short when it comes to the NBA, but he wants to be over seven foot when it comes to the ladies. Is that right? I was I was actually thinking that's the right way to go, that you're a seven-footer yeah. with the ladies. But uh, is there actually a story involving that? Yeah, that was around the time when we were talking about all these heights, you know, when they were actually going to come out with legitimate heights uh, sure. for all of these players. And Durant didn't want to be, you know, a seven-footer in the NBA because I think I think part of his reasoning, if I remember correctly, was he didn't want to be penciled in as like, you know, like a center or, you know, a front-court guy. You know, he still wanted to be considered a wing player. Uh, but with the ladies, of course, you want to be seven foot tall because if you're over seven foot tall, then there are assumptions about your anatomy. Sure, because if you're six eleven, you know, probably hot dog in the hallway time. Right, uh, you're probably you're probably struggling in that department. Uh, NBA news, at least in terms of the draft, testing the waters. You know, with Gonzaga getting this kid Chet Holmgren, and we're going to talk more about what Gonzaga's got going into next year. Some more college basketball in the five o'clock hour. Uh, UCLA was thought to be, hey, maybe the preseason number one. Gonzaga right there, number two. Johnny Juzang, it looks like he's going to test the NBA waters. I wonder what will happen to him. I would think that he has a chance to be a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably be back end of the first round, but first round nonetheless, right? I mean, he has the capabilities to – when you watched him play, especially in that Gonzaga game, like that was NBA-type offense, right, where it's just creating your own shot, lifting it at a moment's notice, and being able to hit jumpers. You know, I think there are some issues with this game. You know, I think defensively there's obviously some work to be done. I think you'd like to see a little bit more in terms of his ability to finish within four feet. Uh, But, you know, I don't really watch that much basketball, especially college hoops. Uh, But – I think his game translates for the most part. A scoring guard like him should be able to help out any team, and I think a performance like he had over the course of the tournament would definitely help his draft stock. Is it better to be a coach in the NBA or college basketball if you're making like five, six, seven million dollars a year? What do you think? Mm. Ooh, I'm I'm shocked at the pause. I figured NBA guy. You love the NBA. You would say NBA, of course. Right, but it, when it comes to like, so there's, I think it's not not a fair question, right? Like, what level of success, all these kind of things. Like, if I'm a college coach, I'm making that much money, and I'm a really good college coach where I'm like, you know, consistently making it to the NCAA tournament, making it, you know, every once in a while, like a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. You know, you could stay there for forever, and there really wouldn't be that much pressure on you. And the NBA, you know, it is a business, and at the end of the day, if you're not competing, right? Like a Brad Stevens type, for example. Look at he's been to multiple Eastern Conference Finals. One of the years it was this team that was really young. Now they're really good. We had no idea how good Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were gonna be. And still there's you know heat under under his seat this year. So I would probably say if I'm successful, I'd rather be the college coach because I think there's much more security in a job like that. Brad Stevens, seventy million dollar offer. Seventy million dollars. Hmm. Turned it down. I saw a dead spin trying to break it down, saying Mike Woodson got ripped off. He should be insulted, only getting eighteen million. Mike Woodson got a hell of a chance, right. uh, based on a based on a coaching career is kind of a you know mediocre middle of the road NBA coach. Eighteen mil is still a pretty good deal, but I, I mean it is a legit question: How good has Brad Stevens been in the NBA? And you tie that into Butler, where he deserves seventy million dollars, but you know of course that reeks of desperation on Indiana's part. They wanted their guy, they didn't get him. Did you see that he re- refuted this? 
Brad Stevens, the Adrian Wojnarowski reported that he had got this offer, and Brad Stevens said, quote, I was never offered that. I don't know where that came from. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Why would you Why would you deny it if it happened? And, and I, really, I think that he's, he's, he's countering Woj? Please. Yeah. Man. I mean, do- I, I, would th- I would think that, that if you were offered that, that implies that you had the conversations. And so maybe he doesn't want to be seen as in the middle of a season in which this team was struggling, looking inconsistent. He had, you know, an eye somewhere else potentially, right? Because you don't just get this off. Like Indiana just doesn't call. Like, hey, Brad, $70 million, here you go. Right. And he never answers. They don't leave a voicemail. So I I think the offer implies that there were conversations and maybe he doesn't want to be seen as a guy who was flirting with another outlook. Coming up next, a little more basketball. We'll uh, start today's conversation on the MVP. It's heating up around the NBA, especially with Steph Curry. On Fires, Q Myers will check in some NBA and lots of NFL draft and even more on the Raiders. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Tuesday on Cofield and Company. Let's get to it. We always talk to Q Myers. He's down in Waco. He does the Lockdown Raiders podcast, part of the uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 family. All right, Q, how you doing health-wise? Uh, we talk about the vaccine shots here all the time, and uh, it's pretty interesting. We've had a kind of a mixed bag of results as the Cofield & Company crew has chosen to get vaccinated. Uh, how you doing so far? Doing really well, man. I'm, I'm excited. I had my first shot, my first vaccination shot, like, last week, and I can't wait to get the second one and feel like I'm good to go, you know? And so it's being uh, made available for everybody, so why not go ahead and roll out there and go get it? So I, I made sure I did that, and everyone in my house did that, and everyone at the radio station is doing that. I just, I think it makes the most sense. So, uh, yeah, man, especially with Texas being full full open. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing that's holding Texas back at all, so I better be vaccinated for sure. What is it like? You guys opened up to 100% way before Anyone else? We're up. Uh, we're opening to 100% June 1st. So, what's it like in Texas? What's it like in Waco? I mean, it just you know you walk into a bar and it's just like old times again. It looks like nothing yeah. ever happened. Nothing. No pandemic ever hit. You know, there was no such thing as COVID 19. And I'll tell you when uh, you know when Governor Abbott said that, I was pretty skeptical about it. You know, he just kind of said that. Oh yeah, Wednesday it's going to open up to 100%. So I said, okay, so. COVID just disappears on Wednesday like it's no longer in existence. But uh, I get it, man. Everyone wants to get back to some normalcy. Everyone wants to get the economy going again, open up these restaurants, bars, different locations. And uh, that's part of the part of life. And so that's what they're doing. And, and so far, I think it's been pretty good. I haven't seen an uptick in, in COVID cases. And I think everyone's doing really well. And as long as everyone goes and gets their fac- vaccine like I did, I feel like I feel like we have a pretty good chance. So, uh, you know, everything's going full steam ahead right now. All right. Well, let's look at what's going on with the Raiders as they go full steam ahead and they uh, start to move on the roster. They signed all these defensive linemen. And then last week, kind of surprising, at least on one front, they cut two defensive linemen. So let's start with Arden Key. I don't think it's shocking that uh, the Raiders said uh, we've had enough of Arden Key. But, you know, you go back to the history of Arden Key and it was kind of a shaky pick to begin with and it just never worked out. Why didn't it work out with Arden Key? He was just a guy that could never finish. You know, I think that that's ultimately what you would call him and describe him, the guy that couldn't finish. He was the athletic dude. He would get to the backfield. He would get his hands on the quarterback, but he would never get the quarterback to the ground. He would never get the guy to the ground, uh, tackle for loss. There's multiple games that stand out to me a couple years ago against the Texans. He had an opportunity to get Watson on the ground and missed it, and Deshaun throws a touchdown pass. Had multiple chances to get Patrick Mahomes last year to the ground, didn't get it done. He just is a very athletic guy that was 
was never able to maximize his ability, you know, and I had a guy actually hit me up and say, hey, with the signing of Unique Ngakwe, maybe Arden Key could be his primary backup because they kind of have the similar body types. Maybe he can learn from uh, Ngakwe and, and kind of take that next step forward. But I kind of feel like it's a little too late. You know, he's going into the final year of his contract. Uh, he's a guy that they're going to have to make a decision on. And, and it's funny because he got cut on Thursday, him and Mohurst. And on Monday, I had done a show on the podcast and said, I think that those guys are gone. I think that they'll be gone by the end of training camp. Well, they were gone a lot earlier than that. They didn't even make it to training camp. So not really surprised on either one of the fronts. I know a lot of Raider fans are more upset about Mo Hurst being gone, but uh, ultimately, man, with Arden Key, he just wasn't the guy that was able to produce. Well, let's talk about Mo Hurst. What do you think happened here? Because he was one of the more productive linemen uh, for the Raiders. Now, that said, the Raiders line in general was not very good, but why is Mo Hurst gone? Well, he, he was more productive but he wasn't out there enough. You know, he wasn't used enough in, in, in that defensive scheme. And I don't know. I can't say it's all on Mo Hurst, and I can't say it's all on the Raiders either. I kind of feel like it was a, a combination of the two. Maybe he wasn't conditioned. This is one of the things I've been talking to Raider Nation about. I'm like, maybe he wasn't – his conditioning wasn't good enough to be out there for more reps because that's what I keep hearing. Well, he didn't get enough reps. If he had got more reps, he would have been more productive. Well, maybe he wasn't capable of being out there for that much. Maybe his body wasn't – made to be out there for as many reps as they needed him to be out there. His, his first season in the league, he had four sacks, four and a half sacks for the Raiders. I thought, okay, that's pretty good. But he never improved on that. He kind of regressed a little bit after a little bit after a little bit. Now, I get it. I mean, he's a he's a you know defensive tackle, so he's not going to have a, a bunch of sacks, and he's really going to have to get after the run. But even last year, there's a lot of times I saw him chasing down tackles. Instead of being the force of the tackle, he was the guy that you saw the back of his jersey, and then he was running down the running back, which was great. The hustle's great. The heart's great, you know, to be able to have that energy to go and get him. But he, I just, to me, he didn't have enough. I, I always felt like he was a fan favorite, but he was never a, a, a coach's favorite because he just didn't have enough production. Q Myers with us, Raiders expert. He joins us every Tuesday on Cofield & Company. So do you feel like the group of defensive linemen, especially inside that they signed, do they have full-time players in that group or are they all rotation players? I think that there's a lot of rotation pieces and I think there's a lot of guys that are going to provide some competition. I really, and I've said this a couple times, and I don't want to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. I mean, we always kind of do that and we say, well, what if? What if this player can figure it out? But I'll tell you, Steve, man, if, if David Irvin can figure it out and actually be a guy, I've seen him be a dominant dude. Like, I saw him up close to personal be dominant. And he's so good that he can roll out of bed and get you two or three sacks. If he actually cares and really puts some work into it and decides that he's going to be the dude, he really could be a difference maker along that defensive line. Now, the problem is, you go through and look at his career, he hasn't done it consistently. He's just one of those guys that's one of those unicorns. Or, or like like John Gruden said a couple years ago, uh, white tigers. You know, he's that guy that you, you see at the, at the zoo every once in a while. He doesn't make enough appearances. If David Irving could figure it out, man, I think he could be a big-time difference maker on the defensive line. But it's up to him. He's got the athletic ability. Does he have the want to to get it done is my big question. Uh, the numbers are out on uh, win totals for this next season, and the Raiders are seven and a half, eight. And, you know, I'd like to go over and say, hey, the Raiders are going to win, you know, nine, go nine and eight, or go ten and seven. I'm just still concerned about that defensive backfield. There is no standout, obvious person for free safety. And the cornerback mix, they added Rasul Douglas. I mean, he's a high pick from 2017. You've now got Douglas, Arnett, Mullen, Robertson, Nevin Lawson, Isaiah Johnson. How do you feel about the group of cornerbacks 
Well, I, I still think there's room for improvement for sure. I do like the signing of Douglas uh, as a lot of Raider Nation was screaming for Richard Sherman to be signed. Richard Sherman's 33 and hasn't been healthy in a couple years. Well, Douglas played a ton of cover three defense with the, the Panthers last year, started about 11 games and he's only 25. You know, he'll turn 26 in late August. So I'm excited about that signing because I think he's going to be able to provide competition for Damon Arnett, something that Arnett's going to need to be able to get better and take that next step. The Raiders were high on Arnett coming out of training camp last year and then well it just kind of all fell apart once the season happened so I think Douglas is going to give him a run for his money for that outside spot and on top of that Arnett if you go back to what he did at Ohio State he was able to play in the slot so maybe push comes to shove Douglas is on the outside and Arnett's on the inside in the slot and is able to to help out in that way as well but I still think that the cornerback position gets addressed uh, some more in the draft because they still need more talent overall they need more talent Nevin Lawson the Raiders love him for some reason, they really, really love him, but he ends up on the wrong end of plays way too many times. So uh, he'll be there. He's suspended for the first game of the season, uh, kind of like he has the last three years, it feels like. But uh, we'll see what happens. But that, the quarterback position definitely needs some more talent still. Around the NFL, let's talk about a couple of stories with Q Myers. Uh, Mike Tomlin re-signed. Yep. Any thoughts on that? He is uh, now inked out to 2024 with the Steelers. I'll tell you this, never had a losing season with the Steelers. You know what I mean? Like, think about that. It's crazy, I know. Think about the injuries that he's had to deal with. Think about Big Ben going down, and still he's found ways to grind out wins and not have a losing season. That tells you a lot right there. And I know that a lot of Steeler fans have talked about, oh, Mike Tomlin's going to be on the hot seat. He's going to be on the hot seat. Man, be careful what you wish for, because it ain't always better just because, you, you know, you end up getting a guy, oh, Tomlin can't get it done, get rid of him, bring somebody else in. It's not always, you know, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. So I think that Tomlin, re, you know, re-signing, getting this contract extension to Pittsburgh, I think it's a big deal. The Steelers are, are one of those organizations that have just kind of shown that they get it. I mean, what, is it going to be the third head coach, possibly if he plays out the whole contract length? It'll be like 56 years and it'll be the third <laughs> coach. I mean, that tells you a lot about the organization itself. It's crazy. I look at it a different way. And, you know, listen, the guy's comfortable. Steelers are a pretty quality organization. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a quarterback beyond Big Ben. And you don't have a right. quarterback. Uh, you're in, well, I was going to say eight and eightville, but they moved to 17 games. So, you know, you're eight and nine, nine and eightville. I wonder why he didn't wait to see what happens in this draft, what happens in terms of developing the next quarterback and throw himself onto the free agent market. I, I, don't, I don't know why coaches who are in good positions don't use their leverage. Like to me, 2024, eh, it's kind of cool. He's a young guy, but like, Hey, how about an eight-year contract? How about, you know what? You don't sign me to an eight-year contract. I'll take over the Bengals in the division with a quarterback who's 23 years old. I, I wonder why, and loyalty is great, and the Steelers have been loyal, but he's won. You just mentioned it. Right. He is underrated. Right. I think he's disrespected by fans. I would yep. love to see Tomlin put the screws to the Steelers and go, you know what? I, I don't want an extension to 2024. I, I want a 10-year deal. I mean, that's very valid. That is very valid. And you're right. I mean, he, he's been loyal and, and loyalty is really means nothing in the NFL. You know that uh, we all see it all the time that it means nothing. He had he has all the leverage. He really does because he's a winner, like you mentioned. And so there's a bunch of teams that would be lining up to to get them to be to get him to be their head coach. Uh, obviously, it's it's Pittsburgh. He's, he's very comfortable with that. He has a great relationship, obviously, with the front office. And uh, he, he probably has seen the, the, the blueprint. He probably has seen the plan of 
what the team is going to move, what direction they're going to move in after Big Ben. And, and I think that they've got to start addressing that direction probably last year, but they, yes, they really yes. got to start addressing it this year to figure out exactly what they're going to do. But, I mean, I guess it's good to know that he's going to be the guy. They, they went there and wanted to get that contract extension done. He got it done. He just said, hey, that, that's cool. I'll, I'll rock with it. But you're right. He had all the leverage in the world. And I could see him going out there and, and you know, just kind of uh, playing other teams against themselves. Even if he had no, no intention of leaving Pittsburgh, he could still say, well, you know, I kind of want to test the free agent market. And then, boom, that just makes your value go up even more. But uh, apparently he didn't want to play that game. So he, he's, he's not about games. He's trying to get wins. Remember this two years from now when they don't have a quarterback and they're trying to do a bridge and maybe they draft someone <laughs> And, you know, they have an 8-9 and nine or 7-10 and 10 season. Right. He has his first losing season, which is amazing that he's never had a losing season. When they have their first losing season and people are calling for his job. Uh, and, right. You know, they think, will be. Think, and they will back. be because Steeler fans do yep. it every single year. Yep. I mean, they, it's crazy how much they always say, Tomlin's going to be going after this seat. After this year, he's on the hot seat. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, this dude just – all he does is win. Finds ways to win even when he's got backup quarterbacks in there. Like, come on, man. And it's not like they're the Pittsburgh Steelers of old where they've got that just shut down defense. I mean, they're winning different ways each and every year. Offensively, run game, throwing the ball all over the yard. It's not really defense. You know, they've had a lot of guys banged up and injured. Uh, they really, I'm sure, want to get back to that kind of strong defense that they've had back in the day. But, uh, you know, either way, he's still finding ways to win. So, yeah, they'll call for his head, and he'll win eight, nine, ten games and, and have a smile on his face at the end of the day. That's Q Myers. He's going to stay with us. On the way back, we're going to flip the page. We'll get to some NBA, and I'll tell you who the real MVP is. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Now, back to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on on a Tuesday. Q Myers is with us. He's in uh, Waco, does a daily sport talk radio show down there. He's part of the Raider Nation Radio 920 AM family and uh, does his Locked On Raiders podcast. Q, tell people where they can find Locked On Raiders. Uh, anywhere you get your, uh, your your podcast from, you can get that. Uh, I know the Odyssey app is out now. It uh, used to be radio.com, but you can get it anywhere. Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, um, you know, anywhere. Spotify. It's always on my Twitter account as well. I always put a link out at your boy Q254. So anywhere you find podcast you can find me Raiders draft talk coming up in less than six minutes here but I wanted to talk some NBA I'm seeing a lot of hype around Steph Curry for MVP uh the Warriors are a 500 team can you sell this I can't I mean I just I really can't sell him being the MVP I can sell him being one hell of a player I can sell him on being one of the most exciting guys to watch whenever the Warriors are playing I was watching the game against the the 76ers just Monday night. And man, I mean, the dude is incredible, you know, and it's kind of cool seeing him go up against his brother uh, and just, just ball out of control. You can imagine those old games that they probably had on the driveway, uh, you know, back in the day when they were at mom and pop's house, but it's just, Steph has changed the game. You know, I mean, this guy has gone over 30 points. Uh, I don't know how many games in a row just broke Kobe Bryant's record. I mean, he, he just there's so many things that he does and it's so much fun to watch and it's so entertaining. And he gives guys that might not be the biggest, strongest, fastest dudes hope that they can make it to the next level and be professional athletes in any sport that they really want to. Because he's just not he's not the most physical, uh, you know, towering guy that you're ever going to see. But as far as MVP goes, I can't I can't with a straight face tell you that he's the MVP because, like you said, the team is 500. And I mean, hey, without him, without him, they're 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 in the they're in the dumps. They're a lottery team. But 
I mean, still, it's about wins, man. If you're the MVP, you're looking for wins, and 500 is not enough for me. So uh, as great and entertaining as he is, as much as I love watching him play, as much as I'll root for him, I, I just can't sign up for him to be an MVP, not in 2021. Yeah, to me, there's two easy candidates for MVP. Number one is James Harden. The Nets are the favorite now. The Nets have been the favorite for about a month to win the NBA title. Before Harden got there, the Nets were about the fourth or fifth choice. That's the MVP. When you vault your team into favorite status in the NBA, you're the most valuable player. I, I could agree with that. Do you do you hold anything against him, though, for that time in Houston when he was trying to find his way out of there? Do I? No. Yeah. Will people who vote on this stuff? Yes. They yeah, will they hold will. it. Yes, they will hold <laughs> it against him. And I'll give you the other guy. Uh, and I again, this is the definition of MVP. Come on. The Suns are 41 and 16. Right. And you might think Devin Booker, but clearly the guy who has now pushed him to another level. Hall of Famer, just passed Magic Johnson on the all-time assist list. Yep. Chris Paul is simply a winner. Now, I know there's people driving off the road right now around Las Vegas because he hasn't won a title, but his teams are better when Chris Paul is around. The Thunder were trying to tank right. last year, and they're like, Ugh, Chris Paul, we're right. making us win. Uh, look at the difference right. in the Suns. They're 41-16. and 16. Yeah, that, that's incredible, man. It really is. And I'll tell you, I'll be the first to admit to you, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan. Never have been. You know, I just, I liked him a lot back in the day. And I just, I don't know, something about him when he, I don't know who he was he teamed up with, but it was, I think it was when he went to Houston. I just really became like, eh, wasn't really a big fan of him and James Harden together. I don't know what that dynamic did to me, but just wasn't a big Chris Paul fan. But I'll be the first to admit he is the reason why the Suns are who they are right now. And they just had a fantastic game Monday night against Mil uh, Milwaukee, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah. And, and even though it ended in kind of controversial stat uh, status, it's the re he's the reason why they're going. He's the reason why they are the team that they are. The reason why young guys are figuring it out, why Booker can make a big mistake and then come back and, and hit a game-winning shot. Uh, he, he's, he is that dude. He's the, like, the definition of leadership. He is absolutely. I, I can 100% agree and get on board with you uh, with him being the MVP of the league just for everything he's done with that, uh, that Phoenix team that I thought was a joke. When they traded him to Phoenix, I thought, what is he going to do with Phoenix? Well, Q, all he's going to do is go figure out how to win a bunch of games. That's yep. what he's going to do. Yep. And fellow old guy, just like Steph Curry, you remember uh, back in uh, past days, guys would kind of flame out when they were 33, 34, 35 yep. years old, but both of these guys are still rolling along. Is it better to be, uh, you know, money's equal, right? Is it better to be a college coach or an NBA coach? Um, I think that it's better to be an NBA coach because you don't have all the all the different rules and regulations that you gotta you gotta live by the standards you gotta live by as a as a college coach you don't have to do all that recruiting you know I mean you, there's there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about doing if you're an NBA coach that you have to worry about doing as a college coach so I think that it would be make more sense to be the NBA plus you're at the highest level but some of these uh some of these contracts that are being rolled out don't say that Brad Stevens. So is that the reason he turned down a reported 10-year, $70 million deal from Indiana, or is it just Indiana? I, I, I mean, that's a great question. I, I don't – I'm honestly – I'm confused by the, the Brad Stevens hype. I mean, he was really great in college, went to the Celtics, and he's had some good moments, and he's been good, decent, but he hasn't been great. I mean, he hasn't been just so a world beater and the coach of the year and, and all this other stuff year after year. I mean – I think that Brad Stevens, the 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 flame on him is kind of starting to, to to go out. But at the same time, that big contract offer that Indiana was gonna gonna give him, I mean, that is huge. That's just based solely on his name and and what they hoped that he could have brought to that school. 
I, I just Indiana's got a great name. It does, but they just haven't had a great game in a long time. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know if that job is really uh, as sexy as it at one point looked like it was by what the name was on paper. It just seems to me like it's it's just kind of there. It's one of those schools that you want them to be better. You feel like college basketball is better when they're better, but they haven't been better in a long time. Q, let's talk draft. How important are these top four picks that the Raiders have? They're at 17, 48, 79, 80. So four of the top 80 picks. They've got to get two or three starters out of these picks, right? I would think so, man. I really would. And, you know, I've talked about it with you before about the the five first rounders they've had the past two years. And really, there's a lot of question marks around the guys. They've got one starter that you know that's a stud in Josh Jacobs, the running back. You know, and that was one pick out of five first rounders that they had. Mike Mayock has been on record in saying third round picks are, are should be starters. And to have multiple third round picks is like stealing. Well, he had three of them last year, and he got one guy that you know could play. One guy ended up never even making the field, got traded to Miami, and another guy who was on IR all, all last year. So uh, we'll see what happens with those third-round picks. Got two third-round picks this year, number 79 and 80, like you mentioned. You've got to be able to hit, man. These guys, you've got to be able to just collect talent and not always just go for position of need. Just get talented dudes that can play football on the next level. You've got to be able to restock the cupboard with talent. If you lose guys to to free agency, fine, because you've got another guy coming right up behind them that has just as much, if not more, talent. Really good teams are able to do that. And you look at what the Raiders have done historically over their drafts, even the last two, three years, it's nothing to write home about, man. They really have got to just lock in and get – like you said, two, I would say three starters should be, you know, should be what they expect to get, but I'll settle for two. I really will. Give me two starters, and I'll say that you had a successful first four picks. The first pick, you can bet uh, there's betting odds on the position. Offensive lineman is the favorite yep. at plus 175. Linebacker, plus 220. Defensive lineman, 450. Cornerback, 6-1. to one. Safety, 7-1. to one. By the way, safety last week was 14-1. to one. Uh, Wide receiver, 14-1. to one. Where are you going with the first pick? Where's is there well, va- is there value on O lineman at plus one seventy five? Is is really the key question? I mean, you know, I, I went with O lineman. I went with Christian Darisaw. That was my pick that I made for the Raiders at seventeen uh, tackle out of Virginia Tech. Just because I think that the Raiders are going to do that, I think that that's why it's such a favorite for them to do that because everyone's going to look at them and say, hey, they're going to make that that's that safe pick at the offensive tackle. But I kicked myself so many times and I continue to do that because I think that you can go and get a Micah Parsons. I think you can go get a Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa linebackers and have difference makers and still go and address the tackle need because the, the tackle position is so deep in this draft. You probably have nine guys maybe go in the first couple of rounds that are real quality tackles. So I, I, I think that I made a mistake by going Darisaw. I know a lot of people say it's a good pick and one that the Raiders will probably end up making, but I just think you could have got a difference maker at that uh, at that number 17 spot, and I just I just rushed to judgment and, and just went with what I thought the Raiders would do. You can also bet uh, down at Circa the specific player. Uh, Darisaw is actually the third choice at 650. Uh, Vera Tucker from SC is plus 575. On this list, do you see anyone that they could, uh, I'm going to say, reach for? Because uh, generally the Raiders have chosen guys where they're like, wait, what? I thought he was right. a second rounder. I wonder if there's someone a little further down the list that has some value that we may be surprised when the Raiders pluck him in the first round. Um, I think that maybe uh, maybe a Trayvon Merrick from, uh, from TCU. 
uh, the safety from TCU. I, I think the 17 is too high for him, but I could see them making that move, and that would be one of those, oh, wow, you grabbed him at 17. <laughs> okay, he's probably a 24, 25, 26, 27 part guy, right. but you got him at 17. Okay, well, that's your guy, so no no worries, whatever. You know, I think that people can make a case. I'll tell you the one that would shock me the most if they went and got was Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. I don't even see him as a first-round guy. Really? He's a guy who he runs hot and cold all the time. He, 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 played, he played hot in the playoffs, which mattered. You know, the end of the season, that's what everyone was paying attention to and everyone saw. But at the beginning of the season, he wasn't Quentin Williams. He wasn't a guy that went beginning of the season to the end hot and the best defensive lineman on the team. He was hot at the end. So I think he's a second-round guy that will probably be elevated to the first because it's a very thin class when it comes to defensive tackles. But – I, I wouldn't – I'd be – I'd really be upset if they picked him at number 17. I think that'd be a bad pick. So you think first two picks, 17 and 49, definitely an offensive lineman in there, and then probably Same. probably another defensive player. Is there an outside shot that they could go offense with both of those picks? I mean, is there any chance they would take a wide receiver? Uh, even – yeah, I'm not at 17, but down at 49. I just – I wonder what they're going to do with the second pick. I think the second pick's going to be a safety. I really okay. do. That's that's how I feel in my gut that it's going to be, you know, a Richie Grant, Javon Holland, someone like that cuz I don't think they'll be able to get I don't think they'll get Trayvon Merrick in the second round. I think he'll already be gone. Um uh, so I think it's going to be one of those two guys in the second round. But yeah, I mean as long as John Gruden's the head coach, I absolutely believe that they can pick an offensive player at any time, you know, like a a skill player, like a wide receiver. I could totally see them going and getting that guy. I could see them to be honest with you. I could see them getting a wide receiver in the first round if the right guy fell to him, you know, or even got close to him. I could see Gruden saying, you know, looking at a, a Jalen Waddle and saying, "Man, this dude is a is a difference maker and I can line him up and and have him and and rugs, and I can have, uh, you know, Waller, and I can have all these different weapons and tools, and Derek Carr is going to do this. I can, Oh, man, I can see him just lighting up like a Christmas tree, man. Absolutely. So I, I can see them doing it. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't be the smart decision in my book, but I could, I could totally see them doing it. How about two offensive linemen, a linebacker, and some sort of defensive back? That Those are the needs. Stick to the yeah. needs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the safety's got to be addressed. You got to go out there and get a free safety, preferably a guy that could be a ball hawk, a guy that could uh, help create turnovers. You got to go get that. You've got to get your right tackle of the future. He's not on the squad right now. You got to go figure out who to get uh, to book in with Colton Miller. Uh, you, you've got to do that. I, I think corner needs to be addressed. Guard still needs to be addressed as far as uh, adding some more depth. I mean, there's a lot of things that the Raiders need to do. And an and a alpha dog linebacker I'd love to see. They haven't got one. They have not got an alpha dog linebacker, and I couldn't tell you how many years it's been, but they always go and get a guy, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And, oh, you don't need a big-time linebacker. To, yeah, okay. You actually kind of do, man. It'd be kind of good if you go and get that guy that's a stud. You know, just go go get a stud. Have a stud on every level. What's wrong with that? You know, and a big-time alpha dog like a Parsons or a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, totally see. Even maybe a Zayvon Collins. I know a lot of people are high on him. Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. He could be a stud as well, just a difference maker. Go get some difference makers, man. Have a, have a team that, that has a chance. Give your, give your team a shot. You can hear the frustration in Q's voice. Well, the big week is next week. Raiders with four picks out of the first 80. Q, appreciate it. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, my man. Appreciate you. Love being on with you. There he is, Q Myers, uh, Waco radio host, part of the uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM family right here in Las Vegas. And go check out his podcast. He does it every day, the Locked On Raiders podcast. His spot today is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You may not need an attorney today or even tomorrow, but when the situation arises, 
That's the time you need someone you can trust. My guy is Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Matt Hoffman there as well. The guys have been part of the Cofield and Company crew for eight-plus years. We trust them. You should trust them as well. And the rest of the team at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call them up for all your important legal issues. Battleborn Injury Lawyers cares about getting you the best compensation for your injuries. And if you're having trouble with your current attorney, switch, right? Not seeing the case move forward? Call Justin right now, 570-9000. It's Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. It's Good Times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profits. Got the news coming up on the uh, transfer portal here in just a couple minutes, but uh, very important. Good time story. Uh, the internet's exploding over this one, and rightly so. Uh, John Statement from the NBA coming down. If uh, folks missed it in the last 20 minutes. The verdict is in for the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. He's the police officer who murdered George Floyd. So he's guilty on all charges, and the NBA released a statement. Uh, They did. Uh, George Floyd's murder, says the NBA, was a flashpoint for how we look at race and justice in our country. We are pleased that justice appears to have been served. We also recognize that there is much work to be done in the National Basketball Association and the National Basketball Players Association. Together with our newly formed Social Justice Coalition, we'll redouble our efforts to advocate for meaningful change in the areas of criminal justice and policing. And I'd like to add, Steve, that uh, as you kind of hear in the statement there, for anybody who immediately goes, what does it have to do with sports? Uh, it has a lot to do with sports. The NBA, of course, a league um, that is pretty much soaked in black culture, right? A lot of these players, of course, identify uh, with that culture are black Americans. They were very strong about this movement afterwards, and this is why the NBA comes out with a statement like that. And I think it's it's very relatively fitting. That, you know, This changed the face uh, of the league quite a bit. We saw a lot of things happen with the NBA after this happened to George Floyd. So I think it's adequate, and I think it's fair that the NBA comes out with a statement like this. All right, well, uh, we'll track what's going on on the uh, the internets and see other reaction from different organizations. I know the T-Wolves and Milwaukee Bucks spoke on the topic, so we'll get that to you in just a little bit. Von Tobel, Cofield, Cofield & Company here on a Tuesday. Uh, transfer portal news, the uh, further rating of the uh, Utah State roster continues what are your thoughts on when a coach leaves this one's a tough one craig smith leaves utah state goes to utah and now players are following him it's a what a freaking gut punch when you you know you lose your coach and they're right down the road yeah well that's what sucks right like uh yeah you know what tj you can go ahead and take you you can go ahead and take a caleb grill or whatever and go to iowa state but to like (laughs) to stay in state and snag the kid I think that's what makes it, I think, a little bit worse. Like, I guess I don't really know the intricacies of the rivalry between Utah State and Utah. I don't think there really is one, except maybe some. Oh, no, no, no. I think I think there's a there's a, a tri-rivalry with BYU, Utah, and Utah State. So. Okay. I, I yeah, think so. Utah State's on even ground with Utah in the Pac-12, but it's, you know, it's, yeah, it would be Utah State looking up at Utah, and now they stole their right. coat. Uh, they already stole Raleigh Wooster, you know, I'm a big fan of. And Marco Anthony's another guy I'm a big fan of. Uh you know, he's a Power 5 guy to begin with. He started at Virginia. Now he's going back to the Power 5. But he's the latest player to uh, bolt Utah State. He's going to go to Utah. And he was a guy who really shut down. He's one of the only guys to shut down Bryce Hamilton all of last year. Yep. I, mean, I think you. I feel like you like Raleigh Wooster as a player. I think you like saying his name more. Uh, it's a great name. 
It's a great name. I don't. I'll. I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't know that he's going to be a starter, yeah. like a full time starter in the Pac-12. I think it might be a little high for him. I thought at Utah State he was a he was a perfect match. Um, speaking of Utah State, you've never been to Logan, Utah, right? No. Interesting place. Uh, Nicole Auerbach, who covers college football, was asking a question. Uh, most underrated college towns. She says the question was sparked by a trip to Fort Collins, which is elite. That's where Colorado State is. She says off the top of my head, Boone, North Carolina, that's App State. Annapolis, Maryland, that is the Naval Academy. She said Laramie, Wyoming. Whoa. 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 How do we judge this? Like how, so, do you judge, how do you judge cool college town, underrated college town? So here's my uh, here's my thing with this. I'm not a well-traveled man, Steve. Right. I don't even know what a college town is. <laughs> like, is that just like a small town that has a college in it? Like, is that just what it is? Well, I think they're underrated. I, I, well, first of all, I saw people saying it can't be a city. Okay, so Vegas would be out. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, guess if you factor be. in partying, like, you know, yeah. Vegas, well, here, Vegas. Here's, here's the thing. My rankings, I rank them as if I were a college student. Now, okay. I kind of live like I'm 21 in terms of my diet I was gonna say. And, uh, <laughs> and, and daily intake of libations and lack of responsibility and lack of a real future. Like, no eye on what's going to happen three days from now. Um, so if I'm ranking all the Mountain West Conference sounds, because – this woman says Laramie, Wyoming is underrated. Another guy chimed in and said Logan, Utah. I asked him, it was a Matt Leak, who, whose handle, by the way, is at Bovine Feeder, which should kind of tell you a lot about what's going on in the Mountain West Conference. Um, so that the guy Matt said, Logan, um, if I were just to rank, I'm going to include cities, and cities are going to have an advantage here, but if I were just to rank the Mountain West Conference cities I enjoy the most, here's my list. And I will be objective. Number one, La- not Las Vegas, San Diego. Tell me when you've got an issue. Two, Vegas. Three, because they're in football, Honolulu. Four, Reno. Well, no objection. Okay. Well, I mean, Five. I haven't been to two of the cities that you're talking about. So <laughs> I, can, I can be like, you're an idiot. I can tell you that, you know, Reno is full of hillbillies and i would don't know i would ever spend a second there but you know reno to me is like 1974 vegas okay and i and i kind of dig it it's like what why i like the we'll call it the charm of laughlin uh reno san jose boise albuquerque fresno fort collins colorado springs then logan then laramie and this woman says laramie is underrated yeah it's oh it's it's underrated it's it's 12th in the conference. And Logan is just barely in front of it. I have a tough time in Logan. Like someone someone responded and they said, Why is Logan great? Absolutely gorgeous. Amazing ice cream. Ice cream? Now I love ice cream, but ice cream alone ain't enough to, to lift Logan anywhere near some of the other cities. And Seriously? yes, I did put some of your favorite places to travel to. Do you actually when you go to California, do you go to Fresno? Me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Love Fresno. Um, you do? Yeah, there you go. Fresno and Albuquerque get a terrible reputation of being like, you know, meth towns. 
And there's a there's a sneaky charm where you can enjoy yourself in both of those towns and be drug free. That's right. My, now, I, I love Fresno because I like to get on the train. I, I always push my wife. There's a train in Fresno that takes you to Merced where she lives. Yes. And she's like, you're never getting on the train. But it seems so quaint and, and wonderful. I would love to get on the train and, and take it one time for like an hour and a half ride that would probably take like 40 minutes actually in reality. But the pasta, is it the pasta factory in the middle of Fresno? Like there's a lot of good spots in Fresno. And I, I crap you not, I didn't put Logan and Laramie on the bottom just because people are recommending it as underrated cities. I just don't, I haven't gotten it yet in Laramone, uh, Laramone, Laramie. Um, it is it is such a tiny, quiet town. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm talking about a downtown that's got maybe four blocks. And, well, the other thing is, if you go there at the wrong time of year, it seems to be cold all the time. Right. And they, they right. roll up the sidewalks on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So if you're there at the beginning of the week and it's cold, holy crap. I feel like there's a lot of wooden structures in Laramie. There are a lot of wooden structures, yes. <laughs> I don't know just, why. It's just too quiet. Just get the vibe. It's just both both towns are too quiet. Cool. And, uh, I don't know what Logan's done with their beers. If it's if Utah across the board has gone to regular beers, but the 3.2 ABV, uh, the fact that you have to drink like I don't know 65 ounces of beer to barely get a buzz on, like J- Jared, not your town, not my town. You would not no. You don't you don't think your heft has something to do with that? Um, not I know like, I know a lot of fat people who actually have no tolerance. Uh, no, it's that the beer the beer's weak. Okay. Beer's weak. Three point two does suck. It's it's a it's an effort. I mean, there's a lot of urination. There's a lot of bloating. Come on, let's you know, let's get to it. Let's make it quick here. All right, three o'clock hours on the way. There you go. There's some good time stories. Uh, let's get to uh, some odds on the Raiders pick coming up at number seventeen next week and also right up John Von Tobel's alley. I haven't talked to the guy in like a week. Got to get to the NBA. We're coming down the stretch here. I see it feels to me like we've got like seven MVP candidates which almost never happens in a given season. 